Sirah, a biography of Muhammad, the last messenger of Allah, written by Professor Dr. Safwat Khalilovich. Chapter 23 Prophethood Foretold in Earlier Revelations Reconstruction of the Kaaba When Muhammad, peace be upon him, was 35, Quraysh decided to reconstruct the Kaaba. At that time, the Prophet's youngest daughter, Fatima, was born, and Ali became a member of his household. The reconstruction of the Kaaba was needed because the structure was very old and there was a risk of its collapse. The Kaaba had been built at the time of Abraham and Ishmael, peace be upon them, and was made of large blocks of stone not connected with mortar. The Siras read that the Kaaba did not have a roof at that time, so thieves could easily steal jewels and other valuables stored inside. In addition to it, the iron dam burst and caused a heavy flood, so the old Kaaba structure could have collapsed at any moment. At the time when the Meccans considered a reconstruction of the Kaaba, a Roman merchant's ship wrecked and was driven ashore near Jeddah. Quraysh took the ship's timbers and processed them to be used as the Kaaba's roof beams. A skilled Coptic craftsman lived in Mecca at the time, and he was hired to help the reconstruction of the Kaaba. As the Kaaba was the Arab's holy sanctuary in the pre-Islamic period as well, it was decided that the future donations for its reconstruction should come only from the lawfully acquired wealth, whereas the wealth acquired through usury, fraud or embezzlement would not be acceptable. It was necessary to first raise the Kaaba down to its foundations laid by Abraham and Ishmael, but Quraysh hesitated mindful of the events when Abraham had set out with his army to destroy it. They feared a catastrophe might befall them, as it had befallen Abraham and his troops. After a while, when it became obvious that the Kaaba would soon collapse, on its own, they realized they had to start the job. The one who began the demolition was Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira, the father of the great general Khalid ibn Walid, and the others followed suit when they saw that nothing had happened to him. The Kaaba was raised down to Abraham's and Ishmael's foundations. Prophet Muhammad also participated in the reconstruction of the holy sanctuary by carrying stones and building material. Each Arab tribe had its own corner of the Kaaba to rebuild, but a row occurred concerning the black stone al Hajarul Aswad. Each tribe wanted the honor to place it in its position. The argument was so heated that they almost resorted to weapons. According to some traditions, Abu Umayyah ibn al-Mughira, the eldest Quraysh at that time, said, Let the arbiter be the first man who enters through the gate of this sanctuary. Everyone agreed to it and looked in that direction. The first one who entered was Muhammad, peace be upon him. When Quraysh saw him, they exclaimed, 
Al-Amin, the trustworthy one, and everyone agreed he should arbitrate the dispute. Muhammad asked for a cloak to be brought, which he then spread on the ground and placed the black stone in its center. He then invited the lords of the disputed tribes to approach and take hold of the cloak's edges and lift all together. When they did so, Muhammad took the black stone own hand and put in its designated place inside the Kaaba. That is how the dispute was settled to everyone's satisfaction and the Prophet, peace be upon him, demonstrated common sense and wisdom, which speaks volumes of his ability to find solutions in conflict situations, the qualities he needed very much prophetic mission. Muhammad's prophethood, as foretold in earlier revelations. The prophethood of Muhammad, peace be upon him, in the earlier divine revelations. The noble Quran refers to it several times. Jesus, son of Mary, said, Children of Israel, I am sent to you by God, confirming the Torah that came before me, and bringing good news of a messenger to follow me, whose name will be Ahmed. When he came to them with clear signs, they said, This is obviously Sarkari. Those who follow the messenger, the unlettered prophet, they find described in the Torah, that is with them, in the Gospel, who commands them to do right, and forbids them to do wrong, who makes good things lawful to them, and bad things unlawful, and relieves them of their burdens, and the iron colors that were on them. So it is those who believe him, honor and help him, and who follow the light which has been sent down with him, who will succeed. Also, the Qur'an reports that Abraham pleaded with God to send to Arabs a messenger, and God granted the plea by sending Muhammad, peace be upon him. The words of the exalted indicate so. Our Lord, make a messenger of their own rise up from among them to recite your revelations to them, teach them the scripture and wisdom and purify them. You are the mighty, the wise. The noble Quran emphasizes that God informed all prophets about Muhammad's prophethood and ordered them to tell their followers they must believe in him and that he would have followers of his own who would welcome him, the exalted says. God took a pledge from the prophets saying, If after I have bestowed scripture and wisdom upon you, a messenger comes confirming what you have been given, you must believe in him and support him. Do you affirm this and accept my pledge as blinding on you? They said, We do, he said. Then bear witness, and I too will bear witness. The third chapter. Verse 81 These verses 
from the Quran clearly indicate that Muhammad's prophethood was foretold earlier revelations, although the earlier divine revelations underwent many alterations, they still contain the texts announcing Muhammad's prophetic mission. Prophethood, as foretold in the Torah, Hebrew, Holy Scripture. The Torah, Tewrat in Arabic, or the five books revealed to Moses, constitutes a part of the Hebrew Scriptures. The version that we have today refers clearly to the prophethood of Hinda, the one praised by all nations, as read on the margins of the original Hebrew text, which is equivalent to the Arabic word Mahmud or Muhammad, the praised one. However, the translators of the Hebrew scriptures into the Arabic preferred the phrase desired of all nations to the words Mahmud or Muhammad in order to divert the attention from the prediction of Muhammad's prophethood. The book of Hajj reads, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land. Chapter 2, verse 6. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The glad tidings in the Torah are not restricted to the mention of Prophet Muhammad only, but also include the reference to his lineage. It is said that he would be from the line of Ishmael and not of Isaac. In the fifth book of Moses, called Deuteronomy, Moses is told, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him. Ye shall hearken. In the same chapter, the eighteenth chapter, verse fifteen. Then, in the same chapter, I will raise them up, a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Chapter 18 The scriptures not only specify the prophet's lineage, but also quite accurately determine the time of his sending to mankind. The estimate is based on prophet Daniel's words in captivity. The book of Daniel reads, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. After quoting the referenced traditions, from the Arabic translation of the Hebrew scriptures, Professor Muhammad Rawas Kalhaji states in his book, The Last Messenger of Allah. Here, a week 
implies a year, as a day in Allah's pronouncement of punishment to the progeny of Israel means a year, as written in Numbers, the fourth book of Moses. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years. Chapter 14, verse 33. After the number of the days in which ye searched the land, even forty days, each day for a year. Chapter 14, verse 34. Here a day is implied to mean a year, hence Daniel's dream, means that the descendants of Israel will suffer 490 years. 7 times 70 equal 490, until the relief comes from the hand of the seal of the prophets. It is well known that their tribulations began in the year 132 CE, when Emperor Hadrian sent against them an army that raised Jerusalem to the ground. The oppression lasted until 628 CE, when Jerusalem was liberated by Muslims. During this period, the only peaceful spell for its inhabitants was the 14 years from 614 to 628 CE, when Persians entered Jerusalem and liberated the Jews from the oppression. If we calculate that the children of Israel spent suffering, we will see that it amounts to 490 years, as Daniel had predicted. So the fact that the oppression of the children of Israel was not terminated before the coming of the seal of the prophets means that the Jews had known the approximate time of Prophet Muhammad's mission. That is why the announcement of Muhammad's imminent coming was written down in their language. Prophethood as foretold in the Gospels, Christian Holy Scripture. The Gospels, Angel in Arabic, the book revealed to Jesus, peace be upon him, also foretold Prophet Muhammad's mission as the Torah did. The Gospels foretold Paraclete, and the Greek word Paraclete, Parakletos, means the one adorned by fine qualities and therefore praiseworthy. The Arabic language equivalent is Mahmud. Muhammad or Ahmed, meaning highly praised. This is the meaning of the word paraclete, provided by translators of the Gospel of Barnabas. O blessed time, when he shall come to the world. Chapter 41, verse 27. Believe me that I have seen him and have done him reverence, even as a very prophet has seen him, seeing that of his spirit God giveth to them prophecy. Chapter 41, 28 and 29. And when I saw him, my soul was filled with consolation, saying, God be with thee, and may he make me worthy to untie thy shoe latchet, for obtaining this I shall be a great prophet and a holy 41 chapter, verse 30. However, the translators of the Gospel of John chose to translate the word paraclete, which is used in the original text as comforter, 
Al-Mu'azzi, instead of Muhammad, the praised one, as chosen by the translators of the Gospel of Barnabas. That is because the translators of the Gospel of John wanted to eliminate the name Muhammad, and thereby eliminate the grounds to believe in him. The Gospel of John reads, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom God will send in my name, will teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Chapter 14, verse 26. Also, but when the Comforter is come, whom the God will send unto you, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from God, we shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 15, 26 and 27. The announcement in the Gospels is not restricted to the mention of Prophet Muhammad's name only, but also makes reference to his lineage. It is said that he would be a descendant of Ishmael, not of Isaac. The Gospel of Barnabas reads, And the messenger of God, when we shall come, of what lineage will he be? The disciples answered, Of David, whereupon Jesus said, Ye deceive yourselves, for David in spirit calleth him. Lord saying thus, God said to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thine enemies footstool. God shall send forth thy rod, which shall have a lordship in the midst of thine enemies. Believe me, for verily I say to you, that the promise was made in Ishmael, not in Isaac. The 43rd chapter, from 26 to 30. Ibn Hisham recorded in his Sirah the words of Ibn Ishaq, famous Muslim historian and biographer, about the qualities of the last messenger of God, as referred to in the Gospels. Ibn Ishaq says, According to my knowledge, among the other divine revelations that Jesus, the son of Mary, included in the Gospels for his followers, was a description of the messenger of God, peace be upon him. Apostle John recorded when writing the Gospel from the time of Jesus. This is what was written about the messenger that was yet to come to them. He that hateth me, hateth God also. If I had not done among them which known other men did, they had not had seen, but now have they both seen, and hated both me, but this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled, that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Monhamena is come, whom the God will send unto you, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from God, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not doubt. Professor Abdusalam Harun, a contemporary Egyptian scholar who edited an abridged version of Ibn Hisham's Sirah, expounds on this quote, Munhamena in Syriac means highly praised, as does Muhammad in Arabic. The Greek language equivalent of the name is Parakletos, 
Paraclete, as their holy scriptures contain the texts clearly foretelling Muhammad's prophetic mission. Jewish rabbis, Christian monks, and Arab shamans talked about it, stressing that his advent was approaching. The rabbis and the priests claimed it on the basis of their scriptures, in which they found the description of his attributes of the time and place in which he would appear and act. The Arab shamans learned it through the jinn, intelligent creatures made out of fire, which listened in secretly in the heavens. Plenty of testimonies were recorded in the historical sources about the glad tidings and predictions of the prophethood of Muhammad, peace be upon him. All of the foregoing, the foretelling in the Holy Scriptures, the traditions of Jews and Christians, priests and shamans, and dreams and visions, brought about a climate rife with belief that the time of the advent of a new prophet was near.